Let's talk tech. And Carmi Levy joins us for a Tech Tuesday. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John. Great to be here with you. A couple of news stories that we were interested in your perspective on because they have tech angles. One of them we just learned about a little last little while ago was uh, federal court banning Canadian judges from using AI in decisions. I have to think you'd be a pretty lousy judge to be relying on AI for your judgment <laughs> text. Yeah, but if you're a judge in Wisconsin or Columbia, apparently you're a lousy judge then because you've already used it. And that's it's based on experiences in other jurisdictions where judges have uh, sort of asked queries of AI and then used it in their uh, judgments, which is really a no-no. How do you know uh, what's happening behind the scenes? How do you know what data was used to scrape it and inform it? How do you literally hand over the entire judicial process to a bot? And so federal government's getting, uh, the federal court is getting ahead of it, basically saying we're seeing some troubling trends in other jurisdictions. We don't want that to happen here. It should be common sense that judges don't simply ask ChatGPT how this ruling should go. Uh, but we're going to state it anyway and make it absolutely clear. Do not use ChatGPT or any other uh, AI-related tool uh, in the in the, the jurist process. Doesn't mean that the court isn't going to use the technology they've already identified and are studying other areas where it can benefit them. For example, reducing translation turnaround. Right now, it can take months or in some time, some cases years for translations to be sent back because it's very labor intensive. If they can accelerate that process and make it something like days or weeks and then use human translators to verify the work of the artificial intelligence tool, that's a good thing. But in judgments, rulings, it has no place in it. Now can't the federal court has essentially said we're not going to go there. Another news story this morning, somewhat startling to learn that that moon landing attempt may have been foiled. What's gone wrong with that landing craft? So the good news is, is the rocket itself, the Vulcan Centaur rocket, it was the inaugural flight of it. It worked flawlessly, but the lander on top of it, the Peregrine lander from a Pittsburgh company called Astrobotic, uh, it experienced what they called an anomaly. First, they realized they were having problems pointing it. Very critical. It's solar powered. Those solar panels have to point at the sun. That wasn't happening. And then they discovered that in order to keep the craft from tumbling out of control, the, uh, the propulsion system, the attitude control system was working overtime, which basically means they burned all their fuel trying to stay in the right position on the way to the moon, which essentially means they don't have enough fuel to land on the moon. So now uh, they've canceled, they've scrubbed uh, the landing on the moon, and they're looking at what they call alternative mission profiles, basically salvage what they can, do whatever science they can on the way to the moon, maybe put it into orbit. But the mission as originally uh architected is essentially done, which, you know, kind of illustrates space is hard. Anything can go wrong. Most of these robotic missions to the moon, many of them fail uh, and you learn and you move forward. They already have other landers in the pipeline that are already planning for their next mission. But this is, you know, I stayed up to watch the moon, uh, the, the moon launch. A lot of people did. Uh, I'm a bit of a space nerd. This is a huge letdown and it is, it is really sad. These are people's lives. And how ironic some ashes from, I think it's Arthur C. Clarke, the writer, and Gene Roddenberry, the guy who created Star Trek, are aboard that craft. So I guess they're lost in space. No, the good news here is, and first, at first, that's what I thought, but then I did some digging. It turns out that uh, the the uh, it's it's the uh, ashes were not on board the moon lander. They were on the Vulcan rocket separate payload, which was released separately before all of this happened. So they are well on their way. They are safe. Uh, so <laughs> don't worry, Gene Roddenberry's okay, and they're headed to what's called the heliocentric orbit around the sun. So uh, they're going where they need to go. Gene Roddenberry's family need not worry. This is the time. Of 
year where we get a taste of all the crazy electronics that lie ahead for us, the Consumer Electronics Show. So what are we looking at? Uh, well, if you, well, it's really big. Uh, car companies, for example, are making large numbers of announcements. Hyundai uh, and Kia announcing new electric vehicle models. Um, uh, Volkswagen announcing a deal where they're going to incorporate ChatGPT into their car. Now, a lot of us have cars. Mine um, uses Siri as well as Google uh, Assistant. Uh, but they're going to incorporate, uh, you press a button, and you can actually talk to ChatGPT. Ask ChatGPT a question, and it'll tell you where you need to go. But remember, sometimes it makes mistakes. I don't really I think we should be relying on it, but it's showing uh, artificial intelligence is going to be finding its way into vehicles. Uh, we see something called, there's a lot of silliness uh, at the show as well. There's the flappy AI cat door, which supposedly can tell the difference between when your cat is carrying a mouse, for example, and wants to come back into the house. AI allows it to see that it's a mouse and it won't let the cat in until it drops the mouse. Uh, I'm thinking cats are pretty smart. They'll figure out their way around it, but that's kind of neat. Uh, we're seeing a lot of activity in phones, for example. Samsung introducing uh, a new phone called the Flex In and Out, which bends both ways. We're seeing a lot, we've been seeing a lot of bendable phones. Bendability is taking an additional step. Lots in the healthcare, healthcare sector as well. Um, there's a device called the BMO from, uh, from a wearable company called Withings. It's a four in one device thermometer, electrocardiogram, uh, oxygen, uh, blood meter, and stethoscope. Uh, and they're saying for 250 bucks, you can buy it once the FDA approves it in the US, and Canadian officials are all also looking at it. So lots of bit, lots of sort of, you know, innovations in a number of sectors. But the problem here is 130,000 people there, 4,000 vendors. How do you keep track of it all? You're sort of, you, you realize you're only skimming the top, the cream of the crop, kind of hard to figure out sort of what comes up, rises above the noise, uh, what we should be focusing on for the next year. One last story with Carmi Levy on the tech front, and that would be the uh, feds are on track to connect over, oh, I'm losing my voice again, 98% uh, of Canadians to high-speed internet. Yeah, we hear announcements like this every few years. Federal government trots out an announcement saying, you know, not all Canadians have high-speed internet, which is a national scandal. If you want to live a digital life, you've got to have high-speed access. It's it's a, it's an, an absolute right. It should be. Um, but right now, that is not the case. And so they're targeting 98% will have at least 50 megabit download uh, speeds and 10 megabit per second upload speeds by 2026. Uh, this all sounds great. Part of a $3.25 billion dollar universal broadband fund broadband fund sounds amazing the problem here is 50 megabit per second download uh is well short of what other countries are saying in other words high speed in canada really isn't high speed by global standards um and you know quite frankly uh they're not talking about affordability they're not talking about how much this is going to cost the individual um and they're also not saying uh this is only broadband they're also not talking about wireless and so it's a lovely announcement but yet again they're a lot of Canadian digital internet have-nots, and that's not going to be solved by 2026. And even then, we're still not going to be at 100%. Carmi, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it, John. That's our tech expert, Carmi Levy.